ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, welcome to The Belief Series. Do you live your beliefs? It's perhaps easier to answer that question if you are of a faith or of a religion. Your God, your text says this is how to worship and this is how to behave. But even then, there'll always be a range of adherence. Some will follow it to the letter, others not so much. Amar Singh is a Sikh. It's a more recent religion arising in the late 15th century in the Punjab region, an area in the far north of India bordering Pakistan and pushing into the foothills of the Himalaya. There's not many of them around the world, but they're very visible. They wear high turbans and the men have long flowing beards. Amar arrived in Australia in 1998. He works as a truck driver. And in 2015, he founded Turbans for Australia. I remember a few years ago when there were floods or bushfires somewhere, we'd do a story about this group of Sikhs who'd be turning up. They'd set up a barbecue, they'd begin feeding emergency workers and people who were displaced, generally pitching in and helping out. We were used to seeing the Red Cross and the RFS, for example, do this work, but who were these people in turbans? Amar Singh is a Sikh absolutely living his beliefs. Charity and good works, creating the community, are an essential part of being a Sikh. Amar is this year's Australian of the Year local hero, and over the last few weeks he's been on the road. He decided he wanted to support the Yes campaign and the voice referendum, and the best thing he could do was go and talk to people. Well, I left home Sydney on the 1st of August to go around Australia uh, to promote the the Yes vote to multicultural migrant and regional communities. And what did you find? Where did you go? Who did you talk to? I've been everywhere, pretty much, and I've spoken to thousands of people uh, through hundreds of events, smaller gatherings, you know, 50 to 60 people or sometimes a couple of hundred people at a time. But it's, it's been absolutely amazing. This was recorded in the last week of September with the voice referendum still two weeks off. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of undecided voters. Uh, many people still don't even know there's a referendum on, and that's quite a shock. The work is scattered for us, um, and I think as uh, multicultural communities, my uh, push has been to all of the um, ethnic leaders is to talk to their communities, talk in their language, and uh, uh, post on social media and get the emails and, and other messages out. Do you believe that Australia is good at talking to its to its incredibly diverse range of communities? I mean, I'm thinking back to COVID, and this was this was a problem. Really, it was often just people like me speaking in English, uh, you know, telling people what needed to be done. Look, English is our national language, but there are people that have barriers in understanding English. I know in, in my communities, many people uh, will react differently to a post that's put up in, say, Punjabi or Hindi or other languages that they speak. So certainly part of my mission to start this uh, roadshow was to, in fact, empower those people to say, hey, there's something very important going on in, in our nation. You all need to get involved, and this is how you can get involved. So Aymar has been travelling, attending meetings, and this is on top of the regular work of Turbans for Australia. They go to wherever they think they'll be needed, and through COVID and now our cost of living crisis, they've established food depots and deliveries of cooked food to those in need. During drought, they drove hay around New South Wales, and now they even focus on water safety. Many recent immigrants don't swim and don't know the dangers of the Australian beach. All this comes with being a Sikh. So what's the spiritual basis of that belief? Well, Sikh faith um, believes that we are a light of God, you know, a bigger light, and one day through our good deeds and actions and meditation, we will 
go back into the bigger light and then that's the purpose of the soul uh, because we believe the soul never dies it's the body and that's why there is there there is a belief that you know you go through sort of all life forms um, from a cockroach to a, a shark and whatnot and then you get one time as a human being and that's when you have the chance to be able to meditate do the good deeds and get out of this life cycle Sikh beliefs are also about simple lifestyle about you know, living a truthful living, about earning an honest living and about practicing, you know, social welfare in your community, in your society. What does that come from? Why is why is that there? I think it's just to make, um, if you look at our prophets and every other religious prophet that has been on this earth, their whole notion was to, to bring people together, to make people better human beings, more respectful, more loving, more caring, care towards others, towards nature and to be good human beings. So I think if every religion practiced uh, what, you know, it's in their holy text, the world would be a much better place. What's the holy text for the Sikhs? So the holy text for the Sikhs is the living guru, the Shri Guru Granth Sahib. Um, that's the holy scriptures that's um, at the center podium of every Sikh temple. When you go in, you might see a photo of a palkin uh, with uh, nice garments on it and so forth. That's where... The, the holy scriptures are placed for the day and then end of the evening they're actually put back in another room because they you know do go sort of late to rest and every day and then in the morning they're put up on the podium again and that's when the first stance on the right hand side is the command for the day and that command might be what it's about how you should meditate or people uh, normally ask for the command when they say have a newborn baby and they want to name the baby in a religious ceremony. So the first letter of the first word of the command becomes the, the letter that you can name your child from. Right. So that that's, again, uh, is a religious practice that's in our religion. But generally speaking, you will get the same command uh, for other things as well. Like say, for example, if you got married, you'll after the prayers are finished, there, there will be a command after the Ardas, which is the final prayer. And people like to, some people actually uh, frame it up in their house to say this was ours when we got married. You know, but it might be over time, it'll probably be the similar for many, but it, it's a way of reflecting to say that was, you know, what my command was on the day and this is, you know, how I can feel connected. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you know what the command was on your day when you were named Amar? I actually wasn't named in a religious ceremony. I was just named by the parents, which is okay as well, um, because many Sikhs born in the Sikh faith are not practicing Sikhs. So they still follow the religion to uh, whatever extent they like, but not practicing. But now that I am practicing as a baptized Sikh, my children have been named in that way, fashion. Right, right. Yeah, so like any religion, like any belief, there's, there's a range of adherence. There's a, there's a range of ways of being it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, but in general, this notion of good deeds, of wanting to participate in in the world and the community, holds fast. Oh, definitely it does. That's one of the core beliefs. Uh, after every Sikh prayer, um, we have a verse which is called Sarbata Dapala, right? And that notion, if you translate it in English, it just means welfare for all, right? And not in the phys- like welfare payments, but as in welfare, well-being of all, you know. So that's what we practice in every prayer, no matter if it's for a birth, death, or a marriage, or just the everyday prayer, ends with the same verse. So that's sort of, you know, sort of put in our, in our lives that seeks every day. And that sort of really resonates with people when we go out, um, do the charitable deeds we do, or help out in any community events, or volunteer 
you think you've done something for the wider society. Mm. And I suppose all faiths have the charitable arm, don't they? St Vincent de Paul or Anglicare or whatever it might be. Is 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 your group, Turbans for Australia, similar? We are similar. Uh, started on, you know, one of the Sikh principles of Sarbatta uh, Palai again. But, you know, we're not attached to any, any Sikh temple. We're not part of any, any religious group as such. If you look at our group now from where it started, uh, it started as a Sikh charity, but now it's more of a multicultural charity. We have people from all faiths, all backgrounds, uh, donating to us, helping out at our, at our um, you know food relief programs and our other events. So we bring community together. And I think when you don't enforce religion on other people, they feel welcome as well. Like we even have Church of Scientology work really well with us. Right. So end of the day, I think we all got to learn to coexist. Is that a Sikh belief as well, that coexistence? Oh, definitely. I think uh, the main belief is to respect everyone else's uh, faith and respect their traditions and respect their values. You see what I mean. Amar is a man who really lives the spirit and ideals of his faith. It can sound straightforward, but it's hard to achieve. I'm, I might know all this, but then if I suddenly uh, don't like a person and I will go out of the way to make their life miserable. And then again, if you uh, take a step back and reflect upon what is the commandments are and what you should be doing as a human being, you go, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. And that's even without any religion. That's if you're just a human being, you know, without a religion, without any anything as a, as a person, how you should treat others. And certainly that's where we go wrong as human beings. Is that how you deal with people that you find difficult or don't like? Certainly, I think, you know, we come across many people within our own communities as well, you know, who don't like you for a certain reason. They don't really have a particular one, but just sometimes don't like people where you're heading in life, what you're doing or what you've achieved. And that's normal, you know, sort of personal egos and jealousies come in as well. I think the best way is to leave people where they are. Um, because I think the more you give them uh, a chance to vent their frustrations and, and uh, agony that they have against you in life, that they will keep going and make your life miserable. I always have this simple notion in life, you know, that if my time is worth $5 an hour, I don't want to be wasting that arguing with somebody <laughs> that I know is never going to come al- alongside with me. But I do give them that respect. And sometimes giving respect is moving away from that person as well. The Sikh stands out with turban beard prominent, you know, that means that you also then attract attention. And in that case then, and, and unfortunately that with that attention will come hate, insult and a lack of respect. How, how do you deal with it coming at you personally? It's very hard. Um, that's what made me start Turbans for Australia, being called a terrorist and being called, you know, go back home, you don't belong here. So many times it, it's hard to accept those things, but then I think somewhere along the line, you have to turn that around because it does take a toll on you. Uh, somebody might make a poor joke on you thinking, oh, it's funny for, for the moment or they, they were trying to look tough in front of their friends. But as a person, it does affect you. And that's where I sort of decided that I want to do something different. And I started Turbans for Australia. And now it's become a, a sort of a, a multitude of people that have come from different faiths and we all respect each other. Um, and I think we've learned from those bad mistakes or, or things that have happened to us and change it around to be something more productive for the society. Mm. And so it, it puts you in a different context. It certainly does. I think, uh, again, what happens to you in life, you can't really dictate, but how you react to it is very important. So certainly, you know, if somebody called you a terrorist, you can't be punching everyone up because <laughs> you'll get locked up. So you got to go, 
what how do I fix it? How do I change this narrative? And again, uh, being a religious uh, minority, even in India, you know, you do face discrimination. As a Sikh, you're visible. Your identity is it's not hidden. It's, it's out there. So a lot of people find that um, the easy pick for their racial abuse or, or their target. But that's that's not right either. Do you ever want to be more anonymous? Look, I'm happy where I'm in life. I, I don't think I've come across that thing where I wanted to be anonymous. I love what I do, I'm doing now and to be able to help people to be out there in sort of public life. But I think anonymous, it probably won't work for me because ever since I can remember, I've always been out involved with the community. Even in my early days when I lived in India, I remember parents used to take us to the Sikh temple to volunteer in, in your help out at, at food stalls and, and in the kitchen and whatnot. So being active in the community has always been part of who I am. I suppose by that I just meant, you know, less outward in the display. I mean, if I have a, a faith, it's not in my clothing. It's not in my outward appearance. That's not really up to me, but that's what the, the commandments say, you know, and that's what the code of conduct for Sikhs is, that you, you must tie the star, which is the turban. So you can't really get that in, in a simple version or just not tied because then you're not following your uh, teachings. And having a beard is simple. Many Sikhs do tie it up as well, like where you see my beard is sort of flowing down to my chest. Others will roll it up underneath their chin, which, you know, in, in some people think that looks more presentable. Others are comfortable that way. Or some friends of mine who, who have a really long beard, it, it goes past their waist. So it's not practical for them to have it open uh, because it might interfere with their work or if they're working on machinery and they roll it up as well. And that's perfectly fine. What, what is the belief around the turban? Why is that so important? So the turban, uh, we believe, is our spiritual crown, although the turban has different significance uh, within the Indian subcontinent and the Middle Eastern cultures. But for Sikhs, it's a spiritual crown. Uh, it's uh, used to cover our long hair. And there's a certain tradition how we put it on. There's a way we put it on. You know, Normally, you do a prayer when you put it on. And when we take it off, you undo it layer by layer. You don't just you know flick it off like a cap or, and put it out in the, on the shelf or in the cupboard. There's a routine that how you do it and how you do it. Every morning, I tie my turban. Uh, in fact, I've uh, just put a video up on uh, last week on turbans for Australia. It's on a uh, sort of a fast-forward video where you'll see how I tie the turban uh, because a lot of people do ask, how do you tie your turban? Yeah. So I don't want people to be scared of the turban, but it is a spiritual ground for us and is also a visual identity because yeah. when our gurus uh, gave us the command to tie the turban, in the Indian society under the, the Mughals, right, and uh, the Middle Eastern invaders of India, it was a hierarchy in society to say people can't tie a turban. If you're a common man, you have to, you know, sort of live a very low life. So hence it was challenging the injustice in the society back then as well. Amar has two children. He's an Australian of the year, now a community leader. What does he believe about parenting? Oh, parenting is a tough gig, mate. I'm uh, putting up with my 10-year-old uh, being on this trip with me for the last four weeks. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, I should say three weeks. Um, but it's it's been amazing, you know. He's hungry every 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, parenting is a tough gig, especially given social media, other pressures from friends and, and you know, new voices that are coming out. It's only just yesterday I think I heard that Waping for six months is the same as smoking for five years. Mm. So a lot of uh, young people are sort of being pushed into these new drugs and new norms as a society, which are not really good for them. And sometimes they feel the peer pressure or just want to be cool. Uh, but parenting is a tough gig. What, what do you believe is, is your role here? As a parent? Yeah. 
As a parent, I think we have to uh, do the right thing by our kids, to give them the right atmosphere at home, to give them the right opportunities at life and show them what life is about. Um, for me, I think if my kids grow up to be charitable, they know what their place in society is, and I want them to know that this is their home. You know, the society that they're in, that's their home, and they to do something for the wider society because everyone is keen to work for themselves. But I think if you work for the wider society, you can really see that the trees bear fruit of love and compassion, and that's where I think the sort of human spirit lies. Mm. Do, do you believe children should follow their dreams? This is a common thing, isn't it? We need to find what your passion is and you should follow that. Is that what you believe? Oh, definitely, mate. Uh, I think kids should always follow their passion and their dreams. Um, I mean, there is a push in our culture that, you know, everyone must be a doctor, engineer or, or you know, some sort of high-paid job. But I think that's just coming out of the economic migrants pr- uh, prism where they all want to say, for my kid, I want him to, you know, be making $100,000 a year. But many will see today in our communities as well, who, who might have done a law degree or engineering or, or being a doctor, but their passion is somewhere else. So again, you've got to f- let people follow their passion. And I think uh, coming back from our t- society, there is a hierarchy on what job you do, the amount of respect there is for you in society. But in the Australian society and our structure here, there's there's no difference. Like you could be a cleaner, still have the same lifestyle as somebody working in an office job. So that hierarchy is not existent. And I think we have to let our kids follow the, the dreams. Like mm. my 10-year-old, he'll want to be a chef one day, truck driver the next, and, and a blogger the other day. So it's, it's all over the place. <laughs> Do you believe it's harder for you to be a parent than it was for your parents to be to parent you? Uh, definitely, because the world was much smaller place. You know, the, the TV only came on for a couple of hours a day. Now you can watch your TV for the rest of your life and you still won't finish it all. So there's so many channels out there, so many entertainment distractions and so many sort of misinformation channels out there too. So I think parenting back in the time was easy because families stayed together. They weren't affected by outside information that much. Whereas now you're always getting asked about, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? You know, my kids always say, can we get that car? So we don't have the money. Oh, you can just go to the bank. So... (laughs) They have lost that notion that, you know, you've got to work hard, put the money in the bank, then you can draw it. But again, I think parenting was easy and simpler way back, um, but now it's getting tougher and I think it's even going to be tougher for the future generations. Yeah. Do you believe, I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of anxiety around parents about the future that their children are going to inherit. How do you feel about that? Uh, Certainly there is. Um, If you look at, you know, the earth, what are we doing to the earth? What what sort of environment are our kids going to have? What sort of future are our kids going to have? You know, are they going to be able to buy a house? Are they going to be able to have even the same lifestyle that we have? Although we might think that we don't have a good lifestyle, but I think uh, somewhere along the line, people will be sort of you know wishing they had that lifestyle. Or, or future generation will look, our parents had it good, just like we think our parents had it good. So times change, the world changes, but I think there's a lot of work to be done, but also... I think we've got to be mindful of our environment, um, how we bring up our family and what values we give them. We headed back to talking about Australia. Why are migrants coming here? Are we welcoming? Well, in general terms, yes, Australia is heading in the right direction. That's why there's, you know, thousands and thousands of migrants that want to come here have already come here because this is an economic country, developed country, which has prospects for future person driving a cab, you know, in our community. His son's playing for Australia now. Australia is what you can make of it. Um, but again, you know, there are wrongs in our past that we need to fix. But again, I think 
if you look at as Australia as a whole, it's a beautiful, diverse nation, multicultural, accepting everyone uh, of faith communities and other communities, and there's equal opportunity for everyone. And do you believe that about our multiculturalism? Because many people will say, look, we say that as a statement, but we're not really living it. Uh, certainly, I think we are now. I've seen when I first came to Australia in 98, although you were a faith community or you belong to a multicultural community, you were there. But now it's been more celebrated. You know, you see politicians sending out, you know, uh, messages of uh, celebration or other things at events uh, for migrant communities. Multiculturalism is a mainstream thing now, but also the way we live. Before it was, if you didn't look good, you know, I remember hearing comments from people, oh, in Australia we do it this way, mate, we don't do this. Because, you know, they might not like the way you dress or why you're wearing this. So, again, we have become more accepting now. And in somewhat, I think we've realised that we need the new migrants, the younger migrants, to be able to take the country forward. I mean, this has been such a tension in Australia for since colonisation, really. Um, we need more people and we need new people and we need that the drive that, that they bring. There's too many people and they, who are these new people? Get rid of them. Well, again, you know, nobody's here to take anybody's job or anybody's business, right? Uh, people have their own ambitions in life. You see all the industries change, you know, but that's how it is. Every migrant that comes here comes here with a dream to make it work for them. We don't see people, I mean, there are criminals in every community taking over a business by force to say, well, you've got to sell your shop to me, James, otherwise, you know, you'll be hurt. That's not happening here, but if people are progressing, saving money, taking out a loan to be the next thing, that's, you know, well done to them. Yeah. And somewhere you've got to take a risk in life as well. I calculate a risk, I might add, to take your life next to the, to the next step, uh, step of the stage. Amar, what do you believe about yourself? You arrived here in 98 and in, you know, 25 years, almost less than 25 years, you're an Australian of the year. You've created turbans for Australia. What do you believe... Don't, don't be modest. I mean, what's the drive there? What is it that pushes you? Why, why have you been able to do this? Look, it started as a very simple idea from me ringing Ray Hadley over the, you know, the, the racial abuse that I face from the cab of my truck to thinking I'm going to start something. We ended up starting something. Yeah, I know even in my community, there were people who were like, what do you mean turbans for Australia? Your turbans going to work for Australia or turbans are committed to Australia? I said, this is just a catchy name. <laughs> Right? Again, you have people with different expectations. But my thing was simple. I just wanted to start something. Being being an avid volunteer since the Sydney 2000 Games and Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, Sydney Invictus Games, it was really amazing experience. And working through my life as well, a volunteer in, within the community and outside. I wanted to cre create a safe environment for others to get involved. Because, you know, uh, when migrants first arrive, they do want a sort of safe environment. Not that others aren't safe, but sometimes it's easier for them to connect to people of their own culture and own language. And then they're more sort of um, happy to work with. So I started something at a very simple level. And again, I didn't even think that from the bushfires till now, we will be, you know, running three warehouses in, in Sydney, Melbourne, Lismore, having the vans and trucks that we have. It, it's all just happened, and I think this hard work pays off in your dedication and the support that we have from people, uh, members of the public who support us and donate to us. You deflected all of that away from yourself. Well, look, I'm one person, right? I, I always say I'm just a person. I'm, I'm, I'm just a bloke uh, who's in charge of this, who's doing this, but I have the blessings and support of a lot of people. You know, it, it really makes you feel humble. I'll, I'll share a story Um 
early up in COVID when we started the kitchens in Sydney, uh, I was driving through Mentor Mall, uh, sort of southwest suburban Sydney, and I reversed the van out. It's a fairly big, you know, like the, one of those big ambulance type vans. And I reversed it out, and then a couple of seconds later, I hear a beep. I'm like, oh, I didn't hit anyone. I checked the camera, nothing there. And then I took off, and then another beep. I was like, oh, what's going on? And then I stopped, and then this lady, because it's a bigger van, you can't really see the cars that much behind you. She was there, and she she came running. I said, oh, sorry, what's wrong? Were you vaping? She goes, oh, I wanted to say thank you. And she gave me $50 cash. <laughs> so that is what you know is amazing uh, about society and human spirit. For people that randomly will come up when you're trying to buy a coffee, go, mate, this is on me, you know, thank you for what you do. So I can't really take credit for everything I do, but the love of the people is what drives me. And yeah. I think if my kids can learn from any of these to be a better human being, um, that's my sort of return in this. Amar, hey, you're on the, the roads a lot. You're a truck driver, as you said, and uh, you know, you're always delivering and always out there doing these kind of things. What do you believe about our road manners, our road etiquette, our behaviour on the road? What, need, what, what could we improve? Oh, that's a tough question, mate. Uh, <laughs> I think being a truckie for sort of 19 plus years, I really feel that people need to be more aware of trucks. You know, they don't stop in a, in a blink uh, and certainly they're long and big things on the road. They need more space and more timing to stop and take off. So people should be more courteous on the road. Generally speaking, like us truckies always have a belief that in a, in a, in a day of work, we probably avoid over 50 crashes, you know, people cutting you off and, and so forth. Generally speaking, we are a good nation. We are very courteous, but certainly there are things to learn. And I think now there's a lot of distractions. People are distracted by what music they play or uh, mobile phones or other gadgets in their car. And that's, uh, again, uh, you know, creating havoc on the road. We've seen people even getting killed on the roads because they were in the wrong place or people taking shortcuts. As Australians, I think we're very courteous. You know, we always stop to give somebody a hand. In fact, my son, if he sees a car broken down, he thinks I'm a mechanic. He always says, Dad, you need to pull over and, and see if you can help them. You know, so it's, it's what kids learn but I think as a society we can always give somebody a hand when we can but we're courteous on the roads and just say g'day Thanks so much, it's always, I always feel you know, enormously uplifted talking to you and thanks for your incredible work Thanks to you as well James and all of the media that supports our work because if it wasn't for you guys, our work, our projects wouldn't get out Always an encouraging word Next week, the extraordinary Yana Pittman We first got to know Yana as an athlete. She was a two-time world champion at the 400 metres hurdles. She had a shot at the bobsleigh in the 2014 Winter Olympics. But since then, she's become a doctor, specialises in gynaecology, and is part of the team who achieved the first successful uterine transplant in Australia. She'll be on the Belief Series next week. Belief is made by me, James Valentine, Chloe McKenzie and Grant Walter. Original music by Roy Valentine. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.